Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. On the longest day, you are so welcome to Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Now, before we get into the longest day, I need to go back to the eve of the longest day because at the end of the show yesterday, I gave away tickets to the Kill Moon Barn Dance. I did indeed. Garth Brooks was the answer we were looking for. Pair of tickets going to Kieran Maguire, Gillian Keena, Claude Carney and Fiona McGee. Well done to all of you. Go along there and buckle up and enjoy the night. It will be fantastic and for a great cause too. Yes, it is the longest day. And I was just looking at the stats before I came in. Sunrise today, 4.56. Sunset, 21.56. 17 hours of daylight and nine and a half hours longer today than the winter solstice, which will come round in its time in December. And on this day, yes, there was only one man we were going to invite to late lunch. Indeed, there was. Anthony Murphy from Mythical Ireland. It's great to have you with us again. Hello, Jerry. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for joining me. What does this day mean to you? Um, well, it's the height of the year. Mm. The longest days, good weather. Fingers crossed, yes. bar the odd thunderstorm. Well, I'm looking at the weather behind you. Not bad yet, know, not bad yet. Apparently there's a chance of thunderstorms <laughs> later. Um, I love it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you can see why it is that not just all over Ireland, but actually all over Europe yes. in antiquity, people had major celebrations for this time of year. Mm. Um, and we have evidence right here on our doorstep of astronomical alignments. Now, So everybody knows that Newgrange is aligned on... I think, uh, winter solstice, yes. midwinter sunrise. Yes. Um, and the question is, well, is there anything out there that aligns on summer? And there is. There's actually two, at least two. One is the little passage to him at Townley Hall, which is aligned for the sunrise on the longest days. And the other is the Great Henge of Douth Hall, a giant embanked monument with two gaps in it that align towards summer solstice sunrise, something first observed by myself and Richard Moore in... Uh, this time 23 years ago in the year 2000. Um, so, yeah, there's clearly this idea of marking the solstice goes all the way back. Now we're talking Neolithic, so we're talking 5,000 mm. years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, people have been marking and celebrating this time of year. And, and it is what you say. It's the length of the daylight. It's, in general terms, good weather. The crops are starting to yield. You know, you can imagine going back to the times you're talking about as well. This was the height of life, wasn't it? Well, it was, and yet it wasn't. People forget that, you know, you'll often hear that it must have been tough in prehistory in the winter. Actually, for a farming society, the toughest six weeks of the year are in the summer before the harvest. The lean spell. Because you've probably run out of all of last year's grain or what have you. So true. You know, Mm. um, the hungry six weeks, they've Mm. been called. The hungry gap. Now, there's, there's, in more recent times, we have folklore around the country pertaining to St. John's Eve. Now, St. John's Eve would be basically the Christianization of the Summer Solstice Festival. Uh, St. John the Baptist, where his feast is celebrated on the 24th of June. Uh, I think that's the, uh, the date of his birth. 
But in Ireland, the custom was to light bonfires on the eve of St. John's Day. So St. John's Eve on the 23rd of June. That custom was widespread until the turn of the 20th century. It survives, believe it or not, in the western fringes of Ireland, in places like Donegal, for instance, on Tory Island, every summer uh, on St. John's Eve, they light a bonfire, and in small pockets in places like Wexford. Um, The tradition was that communities gathered, lit a big bonfire at sunset, had song and dance and and, and celebrations, re-raw, August Rule, Yabuya and all that, not, nothing like the Irish for that sort of stuff. But also there was a custom of um, using a, a burnt brand or, a you know, a, a twig that had been in the fire and either blessing yourself with it to protect you from illness during the year or bad luck. If you had built a new house, you would bring some of the, 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 the fire brands home while well, the burnt out, you know, remains. Um, and also they were scattered, um, the ashes were scattered over fields to help protect the crops and to ensure a good harvest. And this is something that was observed very carefully. There was even a fire dance I read about, I can't remember what part of the country, but there was, when, when there was enough uh, merriment uh, participants would actually leap over the fire but it had to be done sideways like a crab not forwards you know and apparently in observing the way the person jumped over the fire uh, you could tell whether they had uh, been a good boy or a good girl or not uh, there's talk about priests watching the way people were jumping over fires <laughs> to see if they'd been having illicit unions with with uh, uh, members of the opposite sex Um as I say, in this part of the world, sadly, that custom did mm. die out, you mm. know, mm. Uh, and it was known as Fela Tina Knov, the Feast of the the Fire of the Bones, but also Nave Owen, you know, Icha Nave Owen, the Feast of St. John. So that all tied in with these few days that we're in at the moment. What about the Hill of Tara? If I don't mention it, Louise will kill me. What about the Hill of Tara around this time and the solstice? Um, I'm not sure that there is a summer solstice alignment at Tara, yeah. but certainly for the past 20 or so years, gatherings have taken place there, there. for the sunrise. Yes. Um, I, I'm not sure that there's any sort of tradition of that before recent times. Right, a more to recent one. What about then? I think of Lock Crew. Yeah, same thing. Um, my good friend Tom King, the jewellery maker, was up on the top. And of Lock uh, Crew let me tell you, Anthony is wearing one of <laughs> yeah. Tom King's beautiful pieces on today. Gawa. Yeah, on Gawa, on the Forge of the Fire. Yeah. Was he at Lock Crew today? Uh, yeah, up yes. there uh, at the crack of dawn this yeah. morning. They the get the they hours. get light, don't they? Uh, up there. Uh, well, th- there's alignments to actually. Uh, there's alignments to the equinox and to the cross quarter days. I'm not sure that there's at a this sur- time of year. Oh, there is a summer solstice alignment. Mm. Yeah, Ken mm. Williams has observed. Uh, one of the cairns there um, yes. as, as a sunset alignment. My God, when you solstice. think of where I've mentioned Loch Crew and Hilatara and the whole North, South, Newgrange, the Boyne Valley, my God, the history, the ancient history oh, amazing. is amazing. It really it? is. And when you consider the age of these mm. structures and then the ability of the people to track down the times of the year, you know, I mean, that is the closest that we have uh, uh, the closest thing we have to evidence for this long range survival of festivals of the year tied on the solstices and the equinoxes and then the halfway points in between. So unfortunately, um, 
Today marks the apex of the sun, the maximum declination in astronomical terms, the highest it will reach on the Tropic of Can- Cancer. And from here on in, it begins its slow journey back towards oh, Anthony, winter. Anthony, please. But before please. we get there, in about six or <laughs> six and a half weeks time, we'll have the next cross quarter date, which is Lunasa. And yeah. that is the celebration of the beginning of the harvest. Yes. And that's uh, that actually was, um, in terms of the festivals, the one in recorded history that was celebrated with the biggest events, was the Lunasa. biggest assemblies. So, yeah, clearly, look, the good weather brings everybody out puts people in good form. Sure, why not? Mm. You know? Mm. Uh, and just to say that the solstice, an interesting discovery, a uh, revelation about Newgrange during the pandemic was that the solstice beam of light at winter shining into Newgrange lasts much longer than we thought. It shines into the chamber of Newgrange for 18 days before and after the solstice. Mm. Now, I'm not entirely surprised by that because if you were to watch what the sun does in the morning time and you had a clear horizon, and you watch what the sun does during the year. It moves up and down the horizon like a pendulum. It's, it stops at the solstices and moves slowest either side of that. But in the middle at the equinoxes, that's when it's moving the fastest. So although the days technically get shorter from here, you won't notice that for a number of weeks yes. from now. And actually the first really noticeable time is when we reach Lunasa in early August. Then you'll hear people going, oh, you can feel the evening shortening. They're you coming know? in, they're coming in. Another point, Aunt Ara Louise, she's very observant. She said to me, when Anthony's in with you today, will you ask him something for me? And I will ask on our behalf. She said, you know the way he often talks about people uh, going... Uh, uh, sleeping uh, in ancient times when it got dark and wakening when the light came up. Well, I just gave the stats at the beginning there. 4.56, they were up today and they won't be going to bed till 21.56. Must be knackered. It's a long old day, isn't it? <laughs> I wouldn't fancy trying it myself, you know. Um, however, having said that, I wouldn't complain too much if our days didn't shorten as much as they do. Yeah. The thing about being at this latitude, we're about 53 and a half degrees north of the equator, is the days are long in summer, but they're short in the winter. And mm. the further north you go from the equator, the greater that difference. Yes. But I will say one thing, in the legend of doubt, the story of doubt in the Dinshanicus, it talks about endless day. An endless day that the king required, the king commanded all the men of Ireland it doesn't mention the women. Sorry about that. Um, all the men of Ireland come and build him the monument. And in return, they asked him for endless day so that they could continue their task without stopping. So no labour unions back then, obviously, mm. you know. And uh, so this was granted. His The king's sister cast a spell on the sun to make it stand still in the sky. And they were granted endless day. Now, the curious thing is, at this time of year, all the rural listeners will know this. People living in big towns like Drogheda and Dundalk, not so much in Navan. If you're out in the countryside in midsummer, watch tonight. If you If you're able to stay up into the night you will see that there's endless twilight there's more than enough light during the night to do uh, something like that yeah. to do outdoor activity mm. you know mm. um, so it's not just that they had long days and stayed awake from dawn to dusk according to the mythology they stayed awake 24 the hours of the time <laughs> yeah and, and Eloise yeah. copped as well somebody said there was only nine minutes of darkness last night which could be very true well if you look out uh, from midnight until 2am 
you know, when the sun is at its lowest ebb beneath the horizon. And the, p- the reason we get endless twilight at this time of year is, in fact, because the sun doesn't set far enough below the horizon for astronomical twilight to end. But if you watch at midnight, 1am, you'll see this wonderfully bright glow on the northern horizon. If you're out in the country, away from streetlights, you've enough light, you wouldn't even need to bring a torch or, or, or light a candle or anything. Yes. You have enough light to do whatever you wanted to do through the night, whatever whatever you're into. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure, in this society and today, they want you endlessly working, so it facilitates that. But you make a point there, artificial light, which has come into the urban areas and that as well, has in a way done away with darkness when you, you see all the areas that are lit up. You're, you, you're on a new venture yourself, may I say, uh, now, and I've been following you. you. You had a wonderful tour of the monuments yesterday. Yeah, I've just launched in conjunction with Newgrange Farm uh, a new tour which involves a visit to the Chamber of Newgrange and also then a tour of the monuments and the myths and legends of Newgrange Farm. Newgrange Farm covers a vast area of the Brunabonia landscape. Everything, if you're standing in front of Newgrange, the field either side of Newgrange is Newgrange Farm and everything from there down to the river. It's a, like, it's a vast area and, of course, a huge amount of what's there uh, were the discoveries of 2018, the drought archaeology yes. and that wonderful late Neolithic landscape, which really puts everything else in, in, in the pale, as it were, uh, in comparison. A vast landscape requiring probably thousands of people to build monuments mm. and some sort of very major celebration that took place there in, in prehistory. Now, a lot of it you can't see on the ground because these are impermanent monuments, some of them built from timber. So yesterday was all about uh, giving people an insight into what the monuments were, what they might have looked like, what size they were, what they might have been used for. A bit of speculation too, and telling some of the myths and legends. Now, there are other monuments like mounds and standing stones and things that you can see. Mm. Um, and we're doing that uh, another four times uh, so twice in July the 4th and the 18th of July and the 1st and the 15th of August so the link for uh, tickets is on the Mythical Ireland social media Newgrange Farm and yourdaysout.com is actually where you book the tickets and, and I saw the reaction of people you have people from all over the world in this yeah. country which yes, we had three Australians just yeah. thrilled uh, with the experience well done to you it's fantastic and you are bringing to life I always say it a guide no matter where you go engage a guide when you're at the history stuff you know what I'm talking about yeah, yeah. they bring it all to life and you do that wonderfully just on that point 2018 when you made these massive discoveries yourself and your colleague um, this year we've had a fair run of dryness since you know mid-May we're into late June now is there a possibility of something else emerging? I would certainly be saying to anybody who flies a drone to keep an eye on your local landscape especially fields that are under crop not so much grass fields they have to be really really very parched but, I mean, that could happen. I know there's been a lot of thunderstorms over the country in the past week, but if you look at uh, the Boyne Valley, Brunabonia, we've hardly had a drop of rain, mm. really. Mm. So I'd be encouraging anybody, you know, who flies a drone just to keep an eye on the fields, especially wheat fields. Wheat is actually the best crop. And that was the crop that was growing on the drone henge field in 2018 when myself and Ken Williams discovered that and several other monuments. Um, yeah, so it, it's it's probably not a good thing, but we're seeing increase inc- an, inc- an increasing frequency of drought events. 
Mm. Now, I know uh, people will say, but Anthony, we had a very wet spring. And indeed we did. We had a very wet, I think, March, April and May were were quite damp. Uh, But we are seeing an increasing frequency almost every year since then. Now we've had dry spells of maybe two months where there's no rain, you know, and that's not good because the reason Ireland is known as the country with the 40 shades of green is because we get enough moisture to keep everything green and verdant, Mm. you know. Mm. Um, And uh, you'd be perhaps a little bit concerned if that was to become a repeating pattern. It's great for archaeological discoveries, but not so good for farming and, Mm. you know, for the health of the planet. As we reflect today and before we finish up, you know, this was a significant time and has been from time immemorial, as you said, in this country and across Northern Europe as well, this particular day. Is its relevance still as strong today, do you think? I don't, I think because, no, there's no doubt that a lot of these customs associated with feast days, was maybe it's because you know, Ireland is much more a secular country now. Mm. And maybe it's because people are not superstitious anymore. I think a lot of it's got to do with, you know, uh, electricity and clocks and watches and, and uh, you know, smartphones and computer technology. We've we've kind of divorced ourselves from the natural world to an extent. We don't need, we feel we don't need to keep an eye on these things. And yet, uh, inevitably, everybody notices anyway. Everybody notices as a stretch in the evening that, that comes yes. in spring, you know, when summer starts to announce itself. Everybody knows that th- these are the really long days where, you know, you can get up and do a run before work if that's yours. So it's not my kind of thing. <laughs> now, if that's your sort of thing. And where, you know, you can plan events in the evening time, but you can't plan, you know, later so in the true. autumn and into the winter. Yeah. So p- people inevitably notice these things. I don't think we just celebrate them in the way we used to, mm. which is sad in a way. But I suppose that's, you know, that's, that's the world we live in. And that's the changing world we live in, for sure, Anthony. But yeah. long may it continue that you and your ilk and many others besides follow this and remind us of it and mark the significance of it. I love this day, I have to say, the longest day. Yeah. And I love the shortest day as well. And I love the changing seasons and the Celtic festivals as well. They are what we are. Yeah, variety really is the spice of it. It is. Mythical yeah. Ireland, check out Anthony, those wonderful tourists. Two more days in July, two in August. If you want to book in, they'll be full shortly. I promise you that. Good luck to you with all you do. And thank you so much Thanks, for joining Jerry. us on The Longest My Day. My pleasure. As thank always, you. happy solstice. Louise isn't Anthony Murphy such a fascinating man he really yeah. is hanging I, on to every word oh, I was oh I enjoy him so much mm. every time he comes calling this time of year as he said himself isn't it just wonderful the length of the days and my god it, and you did say to me that nine minutes you heard somebody, somebody was saying there was only nine minutes of darkness mm. complete darkness complete like, and, yeah, and Anthony it. verified that as well there's a sort of a brightness stays in mm. the sky I remember being in Finland one summer Right. Oh, up there, up there, yeah, Scotland. Louise, twenty-four hours. Yeah, twenty-four hours at this time of year. But you can think. On the other hand, in December, the darkness all through darkness the day. Darkness nearly all through the day as well. It's terror the contrast and how wonderful this little planet we live on, this place we live in, this universe, whatever you like to call it. It is simply amazing. It really, really is. Um, what was it to say to you that uh, submarine story gone down to the? Titanic. Isn't it awful? Oh, I just see an Irish lad, Rory Golden, is over there. He's a well known diver from Dublin. Is he? Yeah. He's he's dived it a few times. Well not dived himself, but mm. he's gone down to the wreck a few times. But he's over there, so oh, please God, they'll uh, be found. They've time is running out. It's a needle in a haystack. 
I have to tell you, a needle in a haystack. That's what it is, to be honest. It's just a shot in the dark. Five of them in it. The owner of the company, you know, the mm. owner of the company himself, Louise. But I thought if something went wrong that it should just come back up itself. Mm, well... Or- it must get caught or something. I don't know what happened. It didn't anyway. They thought and they were searching on the surface awful. to see that it bob up. It's absolutely awful. I wouldn't be into that type of thing, would you? No. Oh, and, and the size of it, it's tiny. Tiny. In itself. Yeah. Ah, no, not like for the me. the pressure of the sea on, on that. No. Oh, please. I pray for them, but I worry for them. I, I worry. I I'd really hoped worry. if there was no hope for them mm. that they would have passed already. Mm, yeah, because it's Panic. shocking that they'd be gasping for their last breath. It really is. Depths and heights with me. Sorry, not my cup of tea. Anyway, You're in the middle. I'm in the middle <laughs> on terra firma. You may have read or heard or watched on the news yesterday about the shortage of vegetables and fruit this year. They're putting it down to the very wet springtime and then the dry spell we've been having for the last six Six weeks or so. And also Brexit, UK out of the equation and Spain and Europe as well, where a lot of the imports are produced, are struggling at this time as well. Well, we're going to talk for the next while to a young couple who have uh, taken on a family farm in Bailiborough and are working towards regenerating it the organic way. I'm delighted to say hello this afternoon to Gregory Drulon and Ashling Carlin. Hello, folks. Hi, how are you doing? doing? Welcome, welcome to the show. Ashling, this is your family farm, is it? It is, yeah. So um, it's our family farm. We're just outside of the town of Bailiber in Cavan. Um, So yeah, my mum and dad would have always had, um, well, I suppose mixed farming really, because Hmm. we would have had different poultry when we were growing up. um, But I suppose the main enterprise would have always been um, suckler cows. And um, so we kind of, we've started up our enterprises now since 2021 was our first season. Um, and so into our third season, third growing season now. Um, and it's going well? Yeah, it is. It's going very well. This is a very busy time, very busy time of the year um, right now. Mm. Um, and yeah, the main enterprises are the pasture-raised poultry. Um, so we have laying hens. Um, we have 350, 350 laying hens, um, and so we feed them with organic grain, and then we have those eggs, which we sell at different farmers' markets. Lovely. Yeah, and then the other main enterprise would be the vegetables. Yes. Yeah, so we grow everything like through organic principles. We don't spray anything, um, and... The third, well, third and fourth things that we do, which are a bit more seasonal, would be grass and leaf-fed beef, and then we do forest and pasture-raised pork. Okay. And so you have yeah. a nice selection there. So you want about it's a sixty-acre farm. It's still quite a bit of it under forestry. There is, yeah, yeah. My mom had um, a good part of it planted in. Let me see. Now it was two thousand and nine. Um. So there's a good part, yeah, under forestry, some mixed and some spruce. Um, and then, yeah, and then we have maybe, hmm, I don't know, maybe a good a good third of the farm, which is still um, pure pasture. Yeah. Um, where we would, uh, like, graze the cows and graze the chickens. And of then course. we do... We do use a good bit of the forestry as well. That's why we call our, our beef grass and leaf-fed beef because mm. there are a lot of the broadleaf areas of the forest 
where um, where the cattle can get in, get around, and they really love like the new shoots coming off. Um, oh yeah, clearly the ash or the the elder or anything like that. Yes, and I'm sure that can be tasted in the end product too when they're feeding on on the natural flora and fauna like that. You, you, are you entirely now, even with the pasture and everything, no fertilizers, no artificial no. stuff, no chemicals, nothing? No, no, none at all. And um, honestly, like for us, when we were starting this, when we were starting our enterprises, we didn't want any extra inputs. Like that was one of our main things. The idea is to not have any, um, yeah, any chemical inputs, anything like that. And so the way we move our animals. Um, we would follow like a, a holistic grazing plan and we would move them and give, once they've moved on, the area of ground where they were would get um, yes. a good period of rest to regenerate. Um, and because of the way we move them, they're quite compact. So the ground gets a really good fertilizer cover from their manure mm. um, and then a, a nice rest period afterwards. And we have noticed like different um different species of clovers and different types of grasses coming back into the pasture and mm. um, just naturally yes good on you the, the way it was years ago so i take it that you exactly. you, you call the farm shanua so shan is old newer yeah. is is new so yeah. the old way but uh, with a new twist yeah. is that it exactly yeah, yeah. exactly good. because when you think of it i suppose everybody like when i my mom like growing up her farm they grew all their own veggies they would have raised meat and they would have slaughtered an animal, you know, when they when they needed yeah. it. Um, and I suppose that, that's what we're doing. It's it's really, it's the old way of mixed farming. Um, and then the new part would be our, our direct sales model. So like all of our sales, we are selling directly to the final customer, um, which is brilliant as well, because then you, you really get to know them and you get to make a relationship with them. Um, and for feedback as well, like like mm. you get you get really good feedback and you yes. know straight away what people what people appreciate and what you can do different and yeah. Things like so that. so so what you're saying to me is people either call to the farm to buy from you. I take it you yeah. go to farmers markets and that. Any other way you get exactly. your product to customers? No, uh, those two. No, no, directly from the yes. farm okay. uh, or via farmers markets. Yeah. yeah, we go to we do a few different markets and uh, we go over to Dundalk Town Square every Friday. Yeah. Um, we go up to St. Anne's Park in Rohini on a Saturday. And then on Sunday, we have two um, local enough markets. They're probably about half an hour from us mm. uh, in Westmead, either Clonmelon or Collinstown. And they kind of, they alternate every every other Sunday. Yeah, uh, the, I, I, I think your 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 alarm needs a battery in the background there, doesn't it? I'm just laughing here. I hear a beeping there. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we no, don't even hear it anymore. But that reminds me. The last time I got on the phone talking to a friend, he told me the same thing. Yeah, make sure you yeah. change that. That's all I'm saying. I need yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a health and safety announcement here on late lunch this afternoon. Anyway, um, I'm so enjoying our conversation. Let's bring Gregory in because Ashling does yourself and your sister Grace and Gregory so it's, yeah. a, it's a triumvirate really. Gregory welcome to the show tell us a bit about you and where you come from and how you met this woman and got involved in this farm Oh if I go to that direction it's going to be long do you have a few hours in front of you because that's a lot to say about that um, no we literally um, met uh, years ago down in Australia so back in back in the day yes so you met in Australia and she dragged you back to Bailiborough? 
yeah, at some point in my life, yeah, <laughs> something like that, yeah, at some point in my life, exactly, she brought me back down where she's belong, I guess. Yes, and, and tell me, you, uh, ha- have you a background in, in agriculture or growing or producing mm-hmm. food? No, no. I mean, uh, I've got a general knowledge of growing stuff through my family, but not uh, any in such a scale. And I was more interested of like self-sufficiency and home selling um, and really um, food sovereignty and, and all those things. Mm. So it's it just like a, a personal um, interest uh, about uh, yeah, food sovereignty and uh, it's in general, yeah, yes. that's what I like. Yes, uh, very important, food security, etc. Where are you from in France? Mm-hmm. Picardy, so it's uh, 150k is Paris. Right, okay, so mm-hmm. nice part of the world there as well. And uh, how do you f- how do you find uh, Bailinborough compared to where you come from? Well, um, it's pretty much, it's, same, same, but they're all different. I think. Yes. <laughs> the, it, it's very country where I come from, but it's more so big field uh, for wheat and and sugar beets and yes. potatoes. So it's it's kind of different. And vineyard on the other side. So it's it's kind of different, but it's still country. And yes, it's. It's a really nice part of the country up here. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's lovely where you are. But uh, similarities, but uh, production on a bigger scale, as you say there. Let me go back to Ashley for a moment. Hey, did you yeah, tell me, he he won't admit it. Did you, did you drag him back to Bailibra? <laughs> I, I suppose there was a bit of dragon, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we spent a bit of time in France. Um, yes. Uh, oh, gosh, maybe like eight years or so in mm. France. Mm. Um, and I suppose with having the farm here, you know, we always wanted to um, to co- to come back and, and to 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 work the farm. Yeah. And um, and like Greg was saying, he was always very interested in self sufficiency and that kind of thing. So we just um, we started to research it a bit more. And we probably spent a good maybe two years kind of researching exactly what kind of enterprises would would or, or might work or what other people in other parts of Europe and other parts of the world are doing. Mm. Um, and uh, and then we decided on, on these ones and we decided to give it a go and, and here we are. <laughs> mm. Oh, here you are is right. A couple of questions for you. How do you deal with slugs and pests and things like that or does nature take care of that for you? Well, nature can take care of it, yeah, to a certain extent. Like we would try... Um, in the gardens to introduce like a lot of biodiversity we always mm. were constantly planting um, different flowers and, and things like that we use um, for the pa- in all of the pathways in the garden we use wood chip um, and so the slugs kind of There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, people kind of say that they don't really like to cross those, and they don't, I suppose, to a certain extent. Um, but the very first year uh, that we did it, so it's our third season, yeah, the first 
season, um, we used to actually go out with um, torches at night time um, and like do a slug collection. <laughs> 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 like really kind of to try and reduce mm. the population. And oh, you would get buckets of them. Like if you Oh, yeah. We would feed them to the chickens or feed them to the dogs. Yes. Yeah. So there you are. They were all part of the uh, the cycle as well yeah. and, and not, not wasted at all. I was going to ask you, did you bring scissors with you? No, but... Uh, no, no, no. They went into the buckets yeah. and... Uh... Yeah, yeah, we fed them on to something else. But, <laughs> but we have noticed, because uh, the slugs, I guess, are obviously a huge thing here in Ireland with the wet mm. the slugs. And then we've had another problem. Um, I don't know if it's such a problem in other parts of the country, but um, leather jackets as well. Um, yes. And particularly in the first year again, like um, a couple of beds that we planted out, young seedlings <laughs> that were doing really well. And you come back a few days later and mm. it's just drooping and it's like, you're like, what's going on? We didn't actually know what leather jackets were until we found them. And then we were looking at the internet and we found out and we were like, right, okay. Um, but even those we've noticed now, like this year, there is still some, mm. um, but it's a lot less. Like yes. each year, it kind of it's it's improving like and you're having less yeah um, pressure that's because of the biodiversity you are promoting uh, on your farm i really think so. yes it is and this is the lesson in this for more and more people we don't need to be spraying we don't need to be so intense as well and you're an example of this what about you know people will say oh well it costs a bit more, you know, to buy the eggs, to buy the crops from these people. What do you say to that? You know what I mean? If people say it's a little bit more expensive. It is. Now, we would kind of, you know, we would align ourselves like we're not in quite much more. Like if you go and buy something in an organic shop, like oftentimes we would be a little bit less expensive than them. Yeah. Um, because we're direct selling and we don't have, uh, we don't have, I suppose, kind of, you know, really huge you know, there's nobody in between us. Um, but I suppose something that I would say to them is, do you know, come and work with us for a day and you'll see how much hard work it is. Yeah, of course. Um, of course, and you have to be rewarded for your labour. And let me tell you, I'm an old gardener myself, you see. I, I yeah. grow my own, you know, have a little yeah. tunnel and a greenhouse and that as well. I'm with you all the way here. Yeah. I have to say, you will not beat the taste not the flavour, nor the lack of anything added. Nothing added but hard labour or time. Exactly. And there's just, there is no, like, you can't find the taste anywhere else. No. You just, you couldn't. You couldn't no. buy it somewhere. No, 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 no. Listen, we went out yesterday even a few new potatoes, uh, lettuce, scullions, yeah. you know what I mean, our own cabbage. Good God almighty. There's the Queen, like I was going to say the Queen of England, she's no longer there. The King of England wouldn't be having it for his tea yesterday evening, I can tell you, as nice but as we this had. this is it. This yeah. is what we're often, like, it kind of the... the, the um, yeah, like that was one of the reasons as well for getting into it. We had started growing a few bits when we were in France um, and we did kind of a one-year kind of a trial here in 2020, yep. growing a few different bits. Um, and just, yeah, like to bring it in and enjoy, you know, what uh, what you're producing on your plate. There's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's so rewarding. And there's you, it's good that you couldn't go out and buy somewhere. Like, obviously, our customers can, but, you know, like, you're not going to go and get it in the shops. I mean, mm. um Yes, for sure. And eating seasonally is another thing as well. You grow seasonally, eat seasonally, and and that's the way we should all be. I love what you're doing. I absolutely love it. And 
Uh, good luck to you in the future. I hope you go from strength to strength and I hope more people adapt your philosophy as well. This is what we need. Shan Nua Farm. Check them out. S-E-A-N-N-U-R. Shan Nua Farm. You can visit them. You're in Dundalk Market. What day? Dundalk every Friday. Friday. You can go every and meet. Every Friday in the town square. Yeah, Greg goes to that market. Lovely. Greg will be there and he'll yeah. sell you everything and anything. Thank you both for joining me on the show. Good luck to your sister as well, Grace, and everybody involved. Ashley and Greg, so it's been great talking to you. Thanks a million. Thanks so much. Take care of yourselves. Bye, Greg. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Aren't they wonderful people? Shan Nua Farm. Remember the name. Louise, you have to hand it to our Maggie Maguire. She's one for the long haul, isn't she? I thought she'd have abandoned it by now, but she hasn't. She's kept going and going. She seasonally decorated it. Yeah, it's been changed next week. Is it? Yeah. Okay, so the Easter decor is gone, isn't yeah. it? It's a little bit behind there, the Easter decor. Maggie, Sunshine. a little bit behind. But anyway, it's been changed next week. But I went in before the show. She didn't know. I copped. She was out of the office. <laughs> I flew in just before the show. I date marked the photograph I took because, folks, Maggie Maguire's Christmas tree is lit today, illuminated, decorated, and up and running. And has been, isn't this right, Louise? Yes from the 1st of January this year. It's going strong, so it is every single day. And not only the Christmas tree, all her gnomes. Uh, uh, they're all there. She's mm-hmm. she, she's just Mrs. Christmas, our Maggie. She's Mrs. Christmas. And on the longest day, I just had to do that. She was down pointing the finger at me. She was in there with you, pointing the finger <laughs> at me. Was, yeah. don't think she's too happy I took the picture. Anyway, <laughs> Alicia McCluskey's a little bit frazzled by it all, but sure, that, look, that's... that's humbug, Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> anyway Makes you smile doesn't it Every time you go in Makes you smile It does It does I wonder how many days After to go I, I don't know Maggie how many days To Christmas Day Let us know on you the 21st of June now. I'm going to get a little ping here I'm going to get one On the WhatsApp Or uh, the, the text messages here Yeah um, <laughs> It's 365 days So divided by what, 180 odd Listen, listen, leave the maths to Rachel Riley, will you? <clears throat> She's on at the minute on Channel 4. Actually, the knockout uh, uh, countdown, the final of the two series in every year of Countdown, just to remind Countdown fans, I watch it every evening, I go home. Well, most evenings are, I catch up. Uh, the finals are on now, and there's an Irish lad involved in the final eight, and they crown a champion of a series. You know, it's mm-hmm. going to be great when it gets to this stage, it's wonderful. Anyway, we leave the maths to Rachel. Is that okay with you? That is absolutely perfectly oh, fine with me. I leave my protractor at home. <laughs> your tractor? My protractor. Did you say tractor? I never knew you had. Oh, sorry, your protractor, I see. Now, my next guest is heading to the World Cup. Yes, the Women's World Cup is happening in Australia, New Zealand very soon indeed. And Ireland are there. Thank God for the women of Ireland. Because if we were dependent on the men, we'll all be on frames by the time we ever get to another World Cup. Katie Milady, thank you for joining me on the show. Well, hiya, how is things? Very good. You have written a song which we're going to talk about in a moment for this wonderful team. But first off, tell me a bit about your association with the team. What is it? So, um, I don't actually have any connections to the team. Okay. I just have a great love for right. soccer. That's good enough. <laughs> I've played soccer for a, a long time myself and I suffered with injuries, so... I'm actually a coach now, so I had my ACL ah. reconstructed a few times, so on the sidelines now. Good on you. But you see, that is your association. That's what I wanted to hear. You played football, you coach football, you love football, and of course you love this team. You are going out. Is that true for the World Cup? 
Yeah, that's right. Me and three other girls are heading out. <laughs> Good on you. Well done to you. And when did you make that decision? Was when it was it in the immediate aftermath of the qualification, or were you thinking about it even before that? Jesus, if they get through, we'll go. Yeah. So myself and my girlfriend Laura were actually, and my little brother were actually over in Glasgow for the qualifying game, and. We said at the full-time whistle that we were going to Australia and that was that. So <laughs> we, we came home and the other two girls that we went to the Euros with last year, they said they were going to come too. So there's four of us heading over now. We're, we're good and excited anyways. Good on you. And are you all suited and booted and booked up and everything? Are all the arrangements made? Yeah, we have the accommodation and the flights and the flags are getting printed as we speak and everything else. So wow. we're all ready anyways. That must have just gone back to that game in Scotland when we scored that goal. Oh my God, the excitement must have been unbelievable. Yeah, it was crazy to be like to be there for that night, like and like with Courtney Brosman even saving the penalty and everything. Mm. Like it was just such a version of events, and it was just absolutely incredible to witness that moment for the Irish women's football alone. Yeah, Vera Powell has made such an impact, hasn't she? From she's come in as manager. Yeah, Vera is definitely somebody that I look up to now that I'm coaching. I think she's just such an amazing lady and she's done such an amazing job with this team and I don't think if there was anyone else in there, they could have led them to where she has now. Mm. And uh, women's football in Ireland, you know, with the National League and the profile that's been raised substantially by this wonderful international team, it really is on the up, Katie. Yeah, it is. It's starting to it's starting to build up now. As I said, we were at the Euros last year, and with England winning the Euros, it stepped up the game here an awful lot. Like like even with the national league here, like it's so much more competitive than what it used to be. Anyways, well, mm. well I think so. Yes, oh, of course, of course it is, uh, and of course we have a big link in in this neck of the woods with Megan Campbell. Uh, yeah. in, involved as well what a wonderful woman she is too and uh, all of them and all of them the squad the backroom team Vera and everybody else any idea about how many will go out it's a long journey isn't it um, yeah you know to, it's a long way away it's a big expense I know for people but I'd say you know I'm just speculating here there's always a will and a way to get there I'd say we'll have a great out support and from Irish people who live out there I'm sure absolutely I think we'll be definitely tied with the most supporters out there with people that have actually emigrated and are living out there now mm. and then like if <clears throat> if you really believe like that you can go out and make this trip like we look at it, it's a big trip to make but yeah. we believed we could get there and like for the occasion that it is it's not just like the girls have got into the World Cup like you know each year it's been on like this is massive it's history for the Irish women and like to be able to be a part of that and go to Australia and like to be in such an amazing country for, like, you know, a competition mm. like this is absolutely mm. incredible. Like, we were planning to go for, like, two weeks <clears throat> at the start. And then we said, no, do you know what? We go, like, we go harder, we go home. So we decided we'd book six weeks in Australia. So we're there for the whole the whole duration of the World Cup. God almighty, six weeks could become... <laughs> six weeks? God, will they yeah. come back at all, I wonder. But anyway... <laughs> You're all in. Yeah, that's it. It's the whole hog or nothing with, with, with you guys for sure. So when do you fly? So we're flying out on the 16th of July and the first game is on the 20th. 
Lovely, lovely. And you're going to be our woman at the World Cup. Do you know that here on Late Lunch on oh, LMFM? absolutely. I'll accept all the calls. Oh, <laughs> you are so good. You are going to be our woman at the World Cup and we're thrilled that you're doing that for us. Thank you so much, Adina. We're looking forward to keeping in uh, touch with you when you're out there at, at the matches. Um, now, what about you as a singer-songwriter? Let's talk about this. Where does the music come from? What do you do? Tell our listeners about Katie Milady. So I started singing and playing the guitar when I was around 12 years old. And I just kind of, I took a liking to it. And Lucy Spragan is one of my biggest inspiration. I don't know if any of the listeners know her, but she's a very good, um, she's a kind of a storyteller songwriter, which I really like. And I kind of followed in her footsteps a little bit. So any songs that I write, I try and make a story out of them rather Mm. than just a catchy chorus and, and like, you know, verses and that. Like, I, I like to tell a story when I'm singing. So, like, my family is quite musical. My two brothers are in a band. Um, uh, my dad's side of the family, we have a piano player and another drummer as well, his brother and sister. So there's music, there's music all around anyway. <laughs> oh, it's coursing through your veins, young woman. <laughs> and, you know, you write and, and, and do you gig? Do you gig yourself? Yeah, I do. I do a lot of gigs now, especially recently. I kind of got myself back up gigging. So um, I do a lot of gigs here in Navin, um, out in O'Brien's and Johnstown. They're absolutely brilliant as well out there. I love playing out there. And um, I, yeah, I kind of, I just look at whatever I can get. Nana Moons is a new pub opened in Atboy. Um, I gig out there too. Um, Foxes in Navin, there's quite, there's quite a few pubs that mm. I'd be in. Good on you. Good on you. And you're building up your following and fan base as you go along because she's only a young one, folks. She's only in her early 20s, uh, Katie is. What about this song now? Let's talk about this World Cup song. Uh, what's the story behind it and where was it recorded, etc.? And who works with you on the uh, the track? So I sat down there um, in May and I said, like, look, do you know what? We're going to the World Cup. What a better way what what better to do than just write a song about how we felt through the whole campaign and obviously qualifying so like the song explains like from verse one right through to verse four it explains us qualifying and the games we played and like what what the atmosphere was like in Tallah Stadium at all the games and just the excitement and the build up to qualifying for the World Cup we Myself and my brother Matthew, um, we recorded the song in the clinic recording studios in Dublin. Um, and Kean Sinnott recorded that for us, and he obviously did an amazing job. And my brother Matthew, he's doing back and back and vocals and all the percussion in the song. And also, then you have Ivan Jackman, he mastered the track for us. And then we've done a music video as well, and it's actually all based in Tallaght Stadium. Mm. So that was recorded by Jack Malloy. And obviously a massive thanks to Tallah Stadium for allowing us into the into their grounds to do the recording of it, like, you know. Ah, yes, well done to them. And the song and the, uh, the video, where can people access it? So the video is up on um, my YouTube channel. And obviously if you look up Tallah to Australia is the name of the song, you can get it up. There was um, a couple of different people involved. Um, I'll just shout them out. Uh, we had the NECSL girls um, that I coached. Uh, here in Navan, so the northeastern county girls uh, helped me in the video, and then we had another young girl, Amelia King. She was another star in the video, and um, Kieran Cullen, and um, he was also in the video. So there was a lot of 
uh, look, there was a lot of hype created over the video and it's just mm. the excitement that was that was built up in the video. It just kind of shows, you know, yeah. like how much we follow it and all that mm, kind of, of stuff. Of course, of course. Are you hoping it's adopted as the song? Have you heard of any other? I haven't heard of any other songs myself, to be honest with you. No, I haven't heard of any. We were actually in, um, we were in UCD on Friday at the Women's Open training session. Yeah. Um, so we were talking, I was talking to Vera and she was ever so grateful that the song was made and I brought the flag of Tala to Australia and Vera has obviously heard the song, shared the song and she's trying to push for the, pub- the publicity on her side as well, do you know? Yeah. She said she'd love for it to be the, the team's anthem going, going away to Australia and obviously that'd be amazing for myself, do you know? I just want publicity for the women's team and I'm not looking for anything else. I just, I'd love to see the promotion in uh, women's sports, not even just football, but just to see people get behind um, the women. Yeah, we're with you all the way on that. Well, Katie Milady, looking forward to talking to you more in July, but let's have a listen to what it's all about. Wish you well with it. Safe journey out there. Tala to Australia. Katie Milady on LMFM Radio. Thank you for joining me. Louise is just after saying to me, my cooking problems are solved forever. Come on, tell them. They, they, they'd be keen well, to know as well. Well, there might be. Oh, hold on a minute. It would now, take a miracle. Hold on a minute. In the space of seconds from being <laughs> solved, it's now might. Well, what? there is a new contraption yeah. called the Thermomix. Oh, you think you mentioned this to me before, did yeah, you? The Laura. Thermo. Laura Armada was thinking of me and sent me this. The Thermomix. And, and how can this work? solve your kitchen woes? Well, you see, it has everything. You actually switch it on and yeah. you pick them. It has thousands of recipes. So yeah. if you want to make spaghetti bolognese, you press a little thing and it tells you exactly what you need, how much you need. It'll even show you how, like when you fill, say, water. It'll go, stop, whoa, that's enough. And then you close it and you press a little button and it cooks for it for you. And then it's done. No burning, no forgetting about it. Well, so this is, it, but this is a machine perfectly. that you select the dish you want and it cooks the dish for you, no matter what that dish is. So then you can do it. It just doesn't roast. Okay, well, but I'm good at that. Right. Yeah, you're, you're, you're very good. You're very good. You're very, <laughs> good, very good at well done and, and roast. Toasting. Yeah, well done toast, well done roast. I don't understand this machine because you make bolognese. Oh, it's a pot. Basically, it's a pot. Yeah, you put the everything in. The thermomix is a pot. Everything it makes so, banana bread <laughs> to <laughs> <that's>, uh, paella. <laughs> no, that's a bread maker you're thinking of there. No, that's what you're thinking. Which of, I don't still, have anymore. No. How do you get uh, rid of it? The bread maker. Yeah, I'm not sure. I must check in my in my in my menagerie of gadgets. Have I'll have a look to check. and see if it's on done so deal. So the thermomix is a big pot, and you just put everything into it. Yes, and then you just walk away, and it's done, and it's lovely, and. <laughs> I can 
be cook of the year with it. <laughs> she's from MasterChef now. A little while ago, she's taken over from Rachel Riley on Countdown. Now no. she's going to star in MasterChef. What's that thing about what the complex you day. have? <laughs> what? The longest day of the year. You're getting too much sunlight. That's the problem. Anyway, after the three... <laughs> too much oxygen in my brain. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number three from this very week in 1994. And it comes from a Jamaican artist. It's taken from our debut album of the same name. And when I tell you that the song debuted at number nine in the UK singles chart on week, uh, the week of the 11th of June and moved up to number three in the charts where we have it today and that was its highest position in the UK. It did well across Europe and the world as well, not making as high a spot as in the UK but a big hit for her nevertheless. Yes, the number three from this week in 1994 it comes this afternoon at late lunch from Dawn Penn You Don't Love Me No, no, no No, no, no Number three from this week in 1994, top five countdown, Dawn Penn there, Jamaican artist, You Don't Love Me, No, 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 and a song that originally goes back to the 60s, the two tomorrow and they are number one coming your way round about this time on late lunch Thursday and Friday. Ah, the weather being fantastic at the moment and it continues really warm and it gets warmer into the weekend. A few showers about perhaps, but in general hasn't it been lovely since the 15th of May. Exams are finished up now. All of the teens are out there on their summer holidays and primary schools uh, breaking up next week as well. The water's a huge attraction. People love to go to the seaside, their local lake, perhaps the river a pond or whatever but with water safety must always be in mind and with it in mind I'm delighted to say hello to CEO of Water Safety Ireland Joanne Walsh Hi Joanne Hi Jerry. how are you keeping? Good afternoon I'm keeping well but we want everybody to keep well and safe don't we this summer Joanne? We do, we do indeed Jerry. and look uh, as you said beautiful weather and we're in a beautiful country of Ireland we're surrounded by water on our coast we have some beautiful lakes and rivers inside we want everyone to enjoy the wonderful waterways we have but at the same time have a healthy respect for the water and to think water safety we want water safety to be second nature to everyone that's going to use the waterways this summer and you know young people we're focusing on here today teens and youngsters and that who love to get out the full of energy uh, they can swim they can handle water but you know the thing is that each summer unfortunately we hear very sad stories What's your best advice to parents or even if those youngsters are listening to us today? What do you say to them going out to enjoy it? Well, first of all, to the parents and youngsters and as a mother of teenage boys myself, I don't want to take away your fun. I want you to have fun. The water is there to enjoy, but I want you to think safety. I want you not to overestimate your ability and by doing that, underestimating the risks. If you're going, try to go to a lifeguarded area if possible an area that's going to have lifeguards. And when you get there, scene safety, have a look around yourself, look for the flags. The yellow and red flags means you swim between those flags. The red flags means you don't swim. 
And when you and look at local signage, you know, there'll be signs up regarding currents. Just have a look around yourself. You know, just, just assess the scene yourself. And if you're going into the water, look, number one, we don't drink and drive. We shouldn't swim and drink either. No drinking if you're swimming. If you're going in swimming, make sure you have somebody with you swimming or somebody on the shore who knows you're going into the water. But there's a plan, there's a time you're coming back. If you're going into swimming as well, in whether it's the coast or the lake or the rivers, you have to be mindful of, of the temperature. Even though we're warm, uh, warm land and warm air, doesn't mean the water is going to be cold. It doesn't mean the water is going to be warm. For example, a swimming pool at the moment could be 27 degrees. The temperature in the water at the moment could be about 14 degrees. That's a big difference. Yes. You know, so things like that, you have to be really, really careful. Um, and something for the, 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 the temperatures, if you think about it, you could swim a couple of hundred metres in the swimming pool, no bother, depending on your, your ability. But going in, you may not be able to do that in a cold water. The muscles get tighter in the cold water. You may not have the same capacity to swim as you could in a pool. And likewise, if you get into difficulty, you may not have the same muscle capacity to help save yourself. So be mindful of those things. You mentioned, uh, you know, that our coastline, which is vast right around this island of ours. Of course, we have rivers and lakes as well. But where we are here in Louth and Mead along the yes. coast, you know, we have lovely beaches, great yes. coastlines as well. But the things I think of, tides, winds, a prevailing strong easterly wind, you know, with wave uh, movement stronger than usual. That's quite different than when you're used to a pool or a calm area. Absolutely. And you'll be guided by your lifeguard. As I said, swim in the lifeguarded area, the flags. The, the lifeguard will assess the area. Those flags will move at different times and different days as the weather and, as you said, that the winds, currents, various things change. So you should only swim between the yellow and red flags. Mm. That's where the, the lifeguard has deemed to be the safest. So that's where you should swim. Away from the coast, you know, people have local wee lakes, there are reservoirs, the local rivers as well, that are generally off the beaten track and perhaps they, they certainly don't have guards on them as well. They may not even have a life buoy. Some of them have, some of them haven't as well. Those are real danger spots. They are indeed. And as I said, look, if you can, try to swim in lifeguarded areas. Now, there are some inland areas that are also lifeguarded. So if you go on to watersafety.ie um, forward slash lifeguards, you'll find out within your county will be listed and you click on your county and you'll see what area, whether it's a lake or a river or whatever area within your county, whether it's lifeguarded or not. So number one, try to swim in those areas. Number two, there are other areas designated bathing areas. There are the areas you, when you go to that, as you said, mention it, try your best to swim at somewhere that there is a ring boy there. Mm. If you're going somewhere that you don't know, check out local knowledge, local shop, there may be a local lifeguard in the area, maybe a local guard, to check out the safety, what's known about the area. And if it's known to be not safe, don't go there. And also regarding lakes and rivers, be really mindful of lakes and rivers. The coast is cold, but they're actually going to be colder. So you have to be very careful with them. And not alone the cold, the dark, they're not going to be, they're not going to be clear and bright as the coast will be, that you can see. They'll be dark. So there could be um, submerged objects there that you may not see. There could be weeds. There could be broken trolleys, various things. So you have to be so careful regarding the lakes and the rivers of objects on the, the, the floor of that water body. Um, and also with lakes um, as well, you know, we, we really advise no inflatables. Sometimes people may think the lake is safer to bring an inflatable. You can still have an offshore wind with an inflatable device that can take you out. So be mindful of the weather and the, the winds you're going out to these areas. 
Yes, and if you can't swim, you should tread very, very carefully. That has to be said as well. And just one thing before we finish, you mentioned drink there. We were always told never have a a, a lot of food, you know, within an hour of going swimming. Does that still yes. hold? The similar thing as well. Not full meal, um, going swimming, and definitely no alcohol when you're going swimming. And and uh, first of all, enjoy yourself. And just if I could say, Jerry, before we go, um, you have some wonderful volunteers there in the Loud area. I know Andrea McEvitt, um, one of your local councillors, and her team with Loud Water Safety Ireland. Um, they did a wonderful um, initiative. We had our Water Safety Awareness Week last week from the 12th to 18th, and the team was Throw a Ring Boy, Save a Life. And Andrea and her team went out to some of the local schools in the area and taught them all about water safety and also how to throw a ring, a throw ring boy for the schools, the national schools. And also one of your wonderful lifeguards there, Arlen Donnelly, um, created a video tutorial, which is online at the moment. Um, it's on the Loud Water Safety Facebook and Instagram. And it's basically a tutorial on how to effectively to throw a ring boy. It may seem like a basic skill, but it is a vital life-saving skill for everyone to know. So just if your listeners could check that out, it's a wonderful example of volunteerism within our community. They're fantastic people. Watersafety.ie forward slash lifeguards as well. All the information there. Safe summer. Enjoy the water. Take care. Uh, Thank Thank you you. so much, Joanne, for joining me today. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Joanne Walsh there, CEO of Water Safety Ireland. Eddie Caffrey's on his way with the drive here on LMFM Radio. You'll be in safe hands for the next while. We'll see you tomorrow for Late Lunch Live from Seapoint Golf Club ahead of the Irish Legends. Massive event happening there this weekend but we say goodbye today in the company of the wonderful Niall Horan and heaven is new and see you tomorrow With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply, not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon. 